A good start envisions the end result. Thank you for joining for episode 11 of my podcast. This is Bryce Harper, and um, I am the father of two amazing girls, Mary Catherine Jubilee Harper, who is five, going to turn six this summer, and then Madeline Brooke Harper, who just turned two this past month. And I wanted to take episode 11 and talk to you about succession planning. Um, I'm also the lead pastor of Family Worship Center here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And if you don't have a church and you're in the area, I'd love to have you. Sundays, 9 and 11. And Wednesdays, we meet at 6.30 and do systematic theology or, or we have prayer meetings. And so, But I want to talk to you today in episode 11 about succession planning. I love the image that is maybe on your phone or laptop or whatever account or platform you may be listening this through Spotify or Anchor, and it's a picture of me and my dad, and um, I am, man, who I am because of my, I have two amazing parents, and in particular, my father, Lannis Harper, who's just my, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Uh, I love him with all my heart, and he's just a man's man. He is a joy to be around. So I want to talk to you about succession planning, and I want to talk to you about it from the stance of this amazing relationship I have had with my dad growing up. Um, I just turned 35. And also the relationship I have had with other incredible leaders, mentors, counselors, people that I looked up to in there. So there's just some different practical things I want to talk to you today about succession planning. Well, number one, what made me you know, draw close to not only my biological father, but other spiritual leaders, pastors, youth pastors, mentors, counselors, different people I looked up to, what drew me to them? Because to me, that's the first step is for me as a successor, um, I have to be attracted to the person who's going to lead me. I have to be all in and that aspect of the relationship, my father or pastor or leader, supervisor, manager, whatever, they can do a perfect job in laying it all out before me. But it's, it's really up to me to grab a hold of the baton, pick up the mantle, whatever, whatever the case may be, um, take over the reins of the company. Um, it's really up to me to be able to do that um, with a lot of tenacity. And I have to obviously do my part in that. So number one, what made me uh, draw close to my dad and other spiritual leaders in my life um, was really seven things. And I like to call them seven, seven magnetic characteristics. Number one is just relationship. Like my dad and other people in my life, uh, one in particular, Jeremy Austell, um, was just relationship, was just the fact that um, these individuals were invested in me. Um, they wanted to have relationship with me. It wasn't just something they had to do, but something they wanted to do. And um, secondly, just their passion, their energy, their excitement, um, whether it be my father or other people in my life, uh, their passion, passion for whatever they were doing, passion for God was critical. Um, number three, compassion um, for me. And that is huge to know that someone cares about you. 
Number four, their own particular anointing. I could speak about this in particular to Jeremy or Pastor Eddie Turner, Karen Wheaton. Their anointing from God was was really something um, that was just mesmerizing, um, that they had something very significant on their life to the point that it was obviously from another world. Um, I don't know how else to say it, just... It was just something transcendent, something they did not get from somebody else, but something they just got from God. Um, And then also number five, their appreciation for my own anointing, my own gift and ability, drawing out that. So before we go into six and seven, relationship, passion, compassion, anointing, and appreciation. Those Those are five things out of the seven that are really magnetic, that really on my my end of the relationship that just connects me, bonds me, that really allows me to really gravitate very easily into that, into uh, that kind of part of the succession planning. And last two, um, number six is just humor, just funny. In particular, with Jeremy, his wife Michelle is hysterical. Um, she's really savage in her commentary and different things that we talk about. Um, just really black and white. And but also extremely funny. Uh, my dad is extremely funny, a joy to be around. And I have noticed some of the most amazing people I have in my life are some of the funniest people as well. I don't think that's a just a coincidence. I think that is a gift. And I think that's a gift we all should try to develop in our character, humor, um, comedic relief, memes, gifs, whatever we have to do to just really inject and maybe be a little bit more intentional about injecting joy and humor into our character development. Um, and then lastly, just um, kind of goes back to relationship, but just welcoming us into their life, whether it be Jeremy, Pastor Eddie, Karen, my dad, just really welcoming, embracing me, giving me that invitation to just do life with them. Um, is critical. So seven magnetic characteristics, relationship, passion, compassion, anointing, appreciation, humor, and a welcoming uh, spirit or hospitality. And so those are huge for me as somebody um, walking and walking with somebody, um, learning from them, um, succeeding them. Those seven things are huge in that process. And now that I'm in this role as lead pastor, the second question is, okay, so, so how can I continue that um, as a business leader, as a pastor, as a father? How can I continue that relationship of receiving that guidance and then now beginning to really step into a place of giving that guidance? And I would say it's a process that's just very natural. I, um, I know maybe many of us have a personality type that would much rather have a pen and a notepad and a schedule time, you know, the the second and third Tuesday of every month, like what some of us really, that's a natural process for us. Other, maybe some of our personality types are more of, man, just text, call, just grab and go, receive, but whatever the case may be, it has to be a very natural process and it has to be fluid in that um, and I think that is a huge help in things being able to be processed into an intentional way 
and and then also understanding what is really the objective of the relationship what is defined as what what are we defining success as in our relationship with those who are um, we are succeeding and now beginning to raise up those under us who will succeed us what does that all look like can we can we put that into a metric maybe within our business or within our ministry and I think that's important and also I think to, obviously point number two is that it's something that's very just natural and organic so the key takeaways for how do I continue that process of succeeding and now raising up those who will succeed after me is that number one it's always natural it's always natural and really it's always supernatural as well because this is something God wants for us to be able to go from one generation to the next for things to go from glory to glory just mountaintop to mountaintop in that kind of process and number two in the, just a natural process of all this is that it's never unnatural or superficial. So it's always natural and supernatural, but it's never unnatural and superficial. And practically what this looks like for me, like when I communicate with those um, that I look up to and that I'm overseeing is that um, there's just like three lines of communication. Number one, email for things that are just work related. That way I can, number two, allow my text on my phone, text messages to be more personal related. I really try to do as good of a job as I possibly can. I don't always abide by it, but I really try to be intentional that my text messages to my staff or those that I'm overseeing, that it's personal. How are you doing? Um, how's the family, how's your kids, grandkids, those kind of things. And then leaving the email world space more work-related. Hey, is this project completed? Is this, is this, has this been turned in? How is this situation? And then Texas, that world where we can just connect on a more personal level. And then number three, phone call or meet in person is really everything's on the table, um, whether it's work, ministry, um, personal life, whatever the case may be. So I think that helps us too in that communication of how do we continue in our succeeding and then and then uh, raise it up the next ones after us to succeed is to always make sure it's natural and, and supernatural, never, never unnatural and superficial. And three lines of communication, email, keep that into all things work, text, personal, phone call, meet in person. It's just everything's on the table to really begin to discuss and why it is so important for me to have people like Jeremy, Pastor Eddie, Karen, um, others, Mike Courtney, to be almost like overseers or mentors in my life is, is really three things. Um, wisdom. Number one, wisdom. I can, I can really circumvent a lot of foolishness and a lot of difficulty in by just way of wisdom, their wisdom. Uh, number two, relational history. And so because there is a relationship involved, they know me, they know my family dynamic, they know what I have been through, they know that my experiences on a deep level. And so they're aware of maybe pitfalls that maybe other people don't see on the surface. 
And so for them to be able to see way beyond and deeper layers in my life is huge for me. Um, it's so critical. So number one, uh, it's three things in this kind of succession planning that's so important is wisdom, it's relational history, and then it's also number three, strengths and weaknesses. They know my strengths, they know my weaknesses, and they can help me tremendously circumvent and bypass a lot of things just by way of wise counsel. And so, but that's all really up to me as somebody who has to be intentional about reaching out to them, connecting with them, asking for their advice, asking for their input. And then not only that, but then me being extremely transparent about my insecurities, about my worries, about about the fact, hey, I don't know what to do in this particular situation. What do you think is the next steps for me and how to handle this? And so succession planning really involves in that natural, supernatural, not unnatural and, and superficial, really allows for wisdom, relational history, and for them to speak to strengths and weaknesses of my life. And then obviously for me to be able to do that for somebody else, I have to do three things. I have to be available. I have to be able to carve out time in my schedule, in my life, and begin to just go ahead and be available. I think a lot of times we are trying to figure out who that person is. We don't even have, we haven't even made time in our schedule for that person um, of developing them or growing them or pouring into the next uh, person who's going to take the reins of the company or the ministry. Um, so number one, we have to go ahead and carve out time within our lives and be available. And then number two, um, we have to have vision. We have to be looking. We have to be consistently looking. And we have to be um, open to whoever that person is what, what, um, in whatever field that they're in currently right now. And then number three, just being intentional. You know, what is that process going to look like? Um, how, how are we going to kind of scale this out um, in months and years to come, whether it's in a ministry or you're overseeing a business, managing employees, um, availability, visibility, and intentionality. You know, that's how you invest into the next generation. You look at your availability. You, pro you begin to analyze your visibility of who's around you and then begin to, to work that out intention with intentionality. Um, and then the last thing I just want to talk about for the, for the close of this episode 11 of the podcast of A Good Start in Visions and End Result is really I want to kind of pull back from the ministry and the business aspect, our titles, and just look at the family dynamic, the system and the managing of our marriage and our family, and whether you're, no matter what your job title is, if you are, if you have a marriage and you have kids and you have families, you, you, you have to be, you know, just as intentional and in planning on how you spend that time investing into your marriage and into your family. And so for me, I have a system in place where I try to do my best to keep my evenings open. Um, if you are been in ministry, you know anything about being a minister, being a pastor, there's a lot of things that come up last minute, um, whether it's somebody in the hospital or somebody in a dire situation that needs just support or prayer. 
Um, there has been just countless evenings for Sarah and I to have to, you know, call somebody to watch the kids real quick so we can go meet with um, um, this family or this individual or this couple and just kind of talk to them about just a difficult circumstance and, you know, just being in a lead pastor just for within a year right now, um, we've already, we've already experienced that. I mean, it's, you know, it's 2022, we've gone through 2020 and 2021. And so everybody's just going through a lot of difficulty and a lot of heartache, whether it's death, whether it's losing a job, whether it's just tension in a marriage, um, whatever the case may be, there's just a lot. People are just dealing with life right now. But also in that, I have two very little, precious, innocent, pure girls, five and two years old, and nobody can be um, dad for them but me. Uh, Nobody can be mom for them except Sarah. Nobody can just fill in that void. Well, you can get a babysitter and do that up until a certain point. And then it's really critical for us to begin to uh, develop the staff around us um, so that we can be able to carry this load of ministry. So I just put a system in place, and I've re- and I have received this system from um, those that have gone before me who do who are um, people that I look up to, um, and it's a system of you know it's one thing to spend an evening. Um, an isolated evening for ministry as far as, you know, whether it's an emergency or something planned. Um, two evenings, when I when I talk about an evening doing ministry, I'm talking about the entire evening where I'm not having dinner with the family or I'm not um, putting the children to bed, that kind of routine um, where basically from when they get home from school until they go to bed, like they don't see me at all. So, um, when I say an isolated evening, I'm always talking about, you know, if a day goes by and I don't get to see the kids, you know, that's okay. Um, once it's like two days and, you know, there's a lot going on, you know, that's when you kind of need to be a little bit aware of, okay, I need to look at how I'm delegating things. I need to be aware of my family's needs. And then the third thing is, you know, if it's like three evenings or three days back to back to back. Um, where I'm not spending that time with family and it's just like three days where I'm just not with them. Um, that's when you and I really need to look, um, especially in the family dynamic, especially when you have kids that are younger, you, you really do need to look at what needs to be assessed, what needs to be delegated, and just what needs to be deleted within your business or your ministry. Um, because really, I believe at that point, especially in a family, you're just doing way too much. And, um, and if you continue that, um, you, you're going to, um, there's going to be some serious damage, um, in your marriage and your family. And so one isolated, you know, day or evening is one thing Two back to back. Hey, you know, it's kind of a red flag. You need to look at what needs to be assessed and, and adjusted. And then three, three days back to back to back is, is really, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a full stop of, okay. Um, whether it's emergencies or different things like that, we, you know, we need to assess our schedule and what's going on in our lives. And being a counselor and being able to go through some training early on um, in my life, Sarah and I were both counselors. 
Um, she was a foster care counselor. I was a juvenile counselor. There's a lot of training we got to experience and attain during that time. And one of the things we learned, especially when we're helping families with their kids, was um, that if you just spend 15 to 30 minutes of undivided attention with your child, uh, it, can make, it can make them feel like you spent the whole day with them. And so that's something that we learned um, in our training. And also, when you, especially if you have younger kids, it's really easy to be impatient about what you're doing. Like, are we seriously going to play tic-tac-toe for an hour? And that's Juby's thing right now. Like, she wants to play tic-tac-toe with me until kingdom come, it feels like. And when you are maybe leading a business or you're leading a ministry, it just seems like the dumbest thing and the the, the like biggest waste of time ever. Uh, like, can we please do something else, anything else, but play tic-tac-toe a hundred times here in the next hour? And so it's real easy to be impatient about what you're doing, um, but rather we should be patient about who we're becoming. In that moment, I am dad. And in that moment, that's what she needs. And so, so – we can't be impatient about what we're doing, but we should be patient about who we're becoming. She's There's a bond that's being created in that moment. And when, when you have that kind of change of thought in that process, it really it, it makes, it makes, it makes a world of difference in that interactions. And two methods, last thing, two methods of just deep bonds with your family, uh, specifically with your children, is to dive headfirst into what they're passionate about. And then give them an in on what you're passionate about. And so um, go all in about what they're passionate about and then draw them into the things that you're passionate about. My girls know I love sitting down and watching a football game, um, a a sports game. If it's one of my favorite teams, they know, hey, dad's going to go watch the game. And a lot of times, you, you know, my oldest will want to come sit down and watch that with me because, I mean, I get into it. And so, um, so yeah, just three things about succession planning, just some practicals. There's a lot of other things that we can talk about. And these are actually some notes I, I took, I put down for a district leadership forum. I was just very honored asked to, to speak on some of those things. And so the seven magnetic characteristics that, that draws me in to somebody above me whether it's my own biological father or other spiritual leaders in my life, how do I become that for somebody else, Um, how that's a natural, supernatural process. Um, It's organic. It's not unnatural and superficial. Keeping work in the work world, keeping texts about things personal, lines of communication, and then, you know, phone call meeting in person, just be anything. And the reason for having... This kind of setup in our lives is that we can circumvent foolishness and we can do that by way of their wisdom, their relational history, and their acknowledgement of our strengths and weaknesses. And then for me to be, and for us to be able to do that for the next generation, availability, visibility, intentionality. And so hope this has been good for you. Thank you for always joining in. All those who let me know how much they appreciate this. Thank you so much. And don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.